You're listening to Banter with the Boys. Talking all things sports. From betting and brawls, Super Bowl to Stanley Cup Finals. Get laced up. It's time for Banter with the Boys. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Banner with the Boys. We're back at you this week. I had a fun week in Vegas. I tell you what, congrats again to my brother-in-law and sister-in-law getting getting hitched out there in Vegas. What a good week we had. But let's get uh, back to the business here. Week 10 is come and gone. I have with me here today, Smelty. How you doing? How you feeling? I'm, I'm doing pretty good. The, so, so hold on, back up. So the, so the wedding was just the front, right? Like you were just going to go to Vegas just to go nuts and wild and do Vegas stuff. The wedding's just a front or one could say one could say had a good reason, had a good reason. Fair enough. All right. So week 10 is coming on. We are on to week 11, but first let's get into the five featured games of week 10. We're going to start off with my Packers traveling to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers were favored by three and a half. They did indeed cover that three and a half. My Packers could not pull it out. The Steelers ended up winning 23 to 19. I had my Packers winning that game. I, I would have taken the money line, to be honest with you. I wasn't really worried about the spread, although they did cover and we lost by that spread. You did have the Steelers winning that game, Smelty. Were you able to watch it at all? Uh, I did catch a little bit of it. Um, there's one big glaring thing that kind of stuck out to me, you know, for that game. Um, the Packers defense gave up like over 200 rushing yards. That's insane. Like, I, I just like, are you kidding me? I mean, that's, that's going to be a big reason why they lost the game straight up. Well, Smelty, as a Packers fan here my whole life, the last, I say 10 or so years, our run defense has been our absolute kryptonite. We haven't been able to stop a nosebleed. I mean, flashbacks of Colin Kaepernick tearing us up in the playoffs will always come back. But it's it's the defense we, we will for whatever reason not be able to formulate a defense to be able to stop the run. You're looking at Najee Harris having 16 carries for 82 yards. That guy hasn't barely touched 82 yards on the year. I'll tell you, I know I have him in fantasy. Jalen Warren going for over 101. Dude, yeah, Jalen Warren. I just had him in my notes here. I just said Jalen Warren. It's like he went off. Yeah, the, so Tomlin came out and said that Jalen Warren is now starting running back as well, so he takes on the RB1 responsibilities going forward starting this week. Whoa, I did not know that. Very interesting. Yep, that came out today. So I actually have uh, Jalen Warren in my same league I have with Najee Harris, so I uh, unfortunately played Jalen Warren or Najee instead of Jalen this week, but that switch is definitely going to be happening now. Um, but the story of the game, in my opinion, again, is just this offense, man. We can't get anything going Jordan Love 21 of 40 40 pass attempts is just absolutely insane for one but only throwing for 289 barely completing 50 passes or barely completing a 50 percentage passer rating which is pretty much on par for the year and two interceptions yeah yeah no for sure I mean one thing I will say about Jordan Love that you touched on I don't know earlier this season is that he can't throw a deep ball I know you mentioned that a couple times but like this game, he at least showed that. There was definitely a couple deep balls that were on the money. Um, so there is that. And he still has that ability to make plays happen after he gets out of the pocket. It's just whether or not he wants to tap into that ability at the given time or not. 
Um, I don't know. I'm also not a huge fan. I think the score was you guys were down 20 to 19, and then there was a big trick play on third and 11 on your side of the field that just didn't work at all. And, like, I just hate that play call. Like, you're down one on your side of the field, third and 11. Like, I mean, I guess, right, if it hits, you're probably catching them off guard. But the throw over to, I don't know if it was Aaron Jones. I think it was Aaron Jones. It was just, it was on the ground, so it was a fumble, blah, blah, blah. They got it, but you lost a bunch of yards on it and putting it away. But I don't know. Like, I, I just, that place ticks out for me in that game. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just, it's it's porous to watch this Packers offense right now. But, I mean, to Jordan's love credit, he had four or five throws in this game that were absolutely incredible. Uh, you touched on the deep ball ability. He proved me wrong in this game in that regard. This couldn't, game. Couldn't complete a shorter intermediate pass this game. Right. But he did find that touchdown to Jaden Reed was just a beautiful, just lobbing ball that came in right in the bread basket. And then the extra point blocked That's right after what, that. I mean, to be honest with you, that's what essentially, you know, you can make an argument. It didn't cost us the game per se, but it was a huge play because 23-19, we had the ball in the red zone. I mean, we had a, uh, not maybe not the red zone, but had the ball in field goal position with the last drive of the game after the Steelers made that that field goal. And we couldn't kick a field goal because we had that extra point blocked. So that, but going back to J-Love, I mean, the, the, the two touchdown passes, the one to, to Jaden Reed, um, beautiful ball. The one to Romeo Dobbs getting it oh. over the defenders with a little bit of lace on it there. Just back on corner red back zone. Corner. Beautiful catch beautiful. to toe tapping. That was a great play. Yep. 87's been reminding me a lot of the old white 87 that we had just a number of years back here with his sideline ability. He's He reminds me a lot of, don't get me wrong, he's not Jordy Nelson. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, but, but he, shown, he has shades of, of that ability. Yeah, he's shown good flashes of, of the ability. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's uh that that's impressive. Uh, Christian Watson, I don't know what the hell's happened with him. I mean, he's dude, I I honestly I don't get it. Seven targets, two catches for twenty three yards. Now, granted, the targets don't really matter when Jordan loves your quarterback because he only completes fifty percent of his passes anyway. But that's two catches on seven targets. That's not even. That's barely twenty five percent. Yeah, no, I I don't know. Like I I assume you listened to the episode last week uh, where. You know, we had a fellow uh, um, Packer fan on the pod, and he was just saying how how he doesn't think Christian Watson's a true number one receiver. Do you do you agree with him on that? I would absolutely agree. I mean, if you look at statistically speaking, this year, granted Watson missed a couple games, but just from the actual production of the receivers, are have he's our third receiver right now. It's Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, Christian Watson. So so Ben again, he was on last week. He sent me this thing. I think this was yesterday about Christian Watson. Uh, Christian Watson has caught just 42% of his targets this season, and that's the lowest catch percentage in the NFL. That's super shitty. That's now, crazy. Again, I mean, you look at Christian Watson and what he brings to the offense. He has that, that he's a vertical receiver, so a lot of those targets are very, very bad throws. Not excuse. You're the lowest in the league in terms of a, that. That that's a wild stat. I didn't know that. So it's not just missing the throws. He's not winning the contested catches. He's not really creating great separation for somebody with his speed and like just athletic ability. And then what mind boggles me is he's who we target on the last play of the game that gets picked or not the last play, but what ended up being the last possession and get, gets the tipped ball for the pick and double coverage against Patrick Peterson, who no, he's not the Patrick Peterson of his Cardinal days, but he ain't no scrub. Right. Right. I don't know. I don't know what he's looking at. It's it's kind of what I I was actually going to say this about Kenny Pickett too is I feel like Jordan Love already be pre-snap already knows 
I'm going to this receiver or the play's dead to me. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I just think he's just too slow on his reads. But I do think Christian Watson's also not helping him out by getting not getting separation. I mean, that's evident. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I would 100% agree with you. He's he maybe finds his second read, but this game they they he really wasn't pressured that much. He had he only got sacked no. one time and no. this is a vaunted vaunted Pittsburgh front seven. Yeah, you pre- look at the that interception. He wasn't under pressure. He threw the ball where he shouldn't have thrown the ball. And now, granted, they're going to just play the end zone in that situation. So, you know, you're not going to get an easy throw in there. But I would much rather see Romeo Dobbs, Luke Musgrave, or yeah, Musgrave Jaden Reed. had a good game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or Jaden Reed have that ability to go up and get the ball because they've proven they can actually maybe freaking do it. I mean, yeah. And then you take a look at Aaron Jones, who really didn't do too much. I mean, I know you were excited. I was kind of excited just to see because I know Aaron Jones' ability. So I was kind of excited to see what the offense could look like with the addition of having a healthy Aaron Jones back. And this week, we didn't see any of that, for sure, with his 13 carries and 35 yards. Yeah, absolutely not. Now, I will take part ownership in that because I am a new proud owner of an Aaron Jones jersey. Because living here in the Twin Cities, when you go to Shields to get a Packers jersey, you have an option of Christian Watson or Aaron Jones. And I'm taking Aaron Jones all day, so I might have cursed him. So I don't know if that jersey will be coming out of the closet anytime soon. But you're right, man. 13 rushes for 35 yards, 2.7 yards per carry. That's not going to do it. So, wait, you said, uh, who's, your, who's your jersey? Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones. Uh, what's your other jersey then? Because you just told me you, you own two jerseys. So who's your other jersey? I got a Rogers jersey. Oh, okay, okay. I was just curious. But I figured, you know, he's. I might as well get a member of the team that... Well, that's not true. I actually own about four because I have a, a youth and a junior Reggie White jersey, my favorite player of oh, all time. Nice. I'll never Killer. get rid of those. No, you can't. Killer. Killer. Yeah, but it's... it. This Packers offense, I, I don't even know what I can put it on anymore. You know, I can't blame it all on LeFleur. I can't blame it all on Love. I, I just don't know. We just can't get anything going. But enough of my beloved Packers. We also had... Your Minnesota Vikings hosting the New Orleans Saints this week. The Vikings were a two and a half point underdog in this game and ended up getting a pretty dominant victory, winning 27 to 19. How'd that game go for you, Smeltzy? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it's weird to see the Saints at a two and a half point favorite. Two and a half, right? Yep. Yeah, weird to see them at two and a half point favorite. It just means that nobody's trusting this whole Josh Dobbs experiment right now, which I would say. We're getting pretty good positive results from the experiment, <laughs> if you dare call it that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a blowout most of the game. I think I remember it being probably 27-3 to 3 at one point before the Saints finally started getting something going. And they didn't really get anything going until Derek Carr left the game and Winston came in. Well, I mean, what, what do you think of Jameis? I mean, I think he still has it. Now, of course, he did the most Jameis thing ever, two touchdowns, two picks. That is what we're used to seeing from Jameis. Um, but he kind of showed what he's capable of. Uh, Derek Carr could be back the next time the Saints take the field. So do you think that was enough to show teams that he can still play? I don't know who. I don't know, right? I don't know what team would take a chance on him, who needs to take a chance on him. But, like, do you think somebody does? I personally know. I mean, he, he's the same old Jameis. Right? Two touchdowns, two picks. He's the only quarterback in NFL history to throw 30 touchdowns and 30 picks. He's not going to... He's good enough to play in this league as a backup, right? He's more than good enough. You know, I mean, I'm not going to say I would take Jameis Winston over Jordan Love even. 
right? I don't think there's a lot of teams in the league right now that would take him over their current starter. But he's good enough to be in the league, coming as a backup. You know, he can make any throw on the field. He just makes the stupid decisions, and that's what's going to hold him back from ever excelling. That's the thing. There was this throw to the back corner similar to Love to Dobbs. Um, Winston threw this ball right up to uh, Olave in the back corner. One of the better catches of the season. It's crazy he was able to hold on to that. But, I mean, that throw was perfect. Right. It's one of the greatest catches of the season by far, but he put that ball in a position where it's Chris Olave coming down with it or nobody else. Right, right. So, again, still capable of making those throws, but still capable of absolutely not making those throws and continuing to make those mistakes as well. But let's talk about the quarterback on the other side of the. Uh, well, what you got on Jameis? Before we kick over to Mr. Uh, the Pastor not here, um, the, the other thing with Jameis, that other touchdown to A.T. Perry. That's a ball you never make, you never throw in the NFL. He's on the left sideline and he throws that ball across the field over oh, yeah. to him. And it was uh, number seven, Byron Murphy yep. for the Vikings, just flat out lost the. Now, the receiver's 6'5. He's, he's, he's an absolute monster of, well, I'm not going to say production wise, he's an absolute monster, but a monster of a human mm-hmm. where that ball is getting, is, is an incompletion at best. I would venture to say 85, 90% of the time, with maybe 30 to 40% of that being a pick six. Right, right. No, I mean, the the play Terry made, Terry, right? Perry. 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 I don't, I don't, his first name starts with a T, I think. I don't know. A-T. A-T, A-T, Perry. A-T Perry. There we go. <laughs> I knew there was a T in there somewhere, but, I mean, that's low-key. Not to – I, I want to compare him to DK. Obviously, DK is a much better player, but as far as size-wise, like, that's what we should be seeing from DK, and we're really not right now. But, again, not to change gears, but, like, that just proves that – that's how you can use your body in the NFL if you, if you have it properly. That's why we see these tight ends just eating every week. Kelsey, Kittle, Andrews. Now TJ's actually starting to get it going now. Um, really got it going this game. 134 yards, 11 receptions on a TD. You know, he's, he, he can maybe be that safety blanket for Jameis or Derek Carr, whoever the heck's going to play quarterback for the Saints. Um, at 5-5, five and five is what? What else can the Saints do this season? What what do you think they should do? I, I do have a friend that's somehow a Vikings fan and a Saints fan. Um, that's ass backwards. I, I know, I know, I I know. Um, especially with all the history and all that shit. So right. I, I, don't, I don't really get it. But anyway, he was just straight up telling me the other day, he's like, dude, it's time to clean house. Everybody gone. It's time to rebuild the whole damn team. He's like freaking out. So like, I don't know, from your opinion, obviously you have no no thing in the fight here, but... That, that's a wild stretch to me. I mean, the Saints have all the tools and, and foundational pieces where they're necessary, right? I mean, they have loaded offensive talent, you know, Michael Thomas going down. That's the other thing about A.T. Perry with that play. That's probably Michael Thomas if he's in the game at that point, right? Oh, probably. So A.T. Perry's a rookie. He came in and, you know, he had two catches for 38 yards in that tud. So, he, I mean, he showed a little bit of what he could maybe do. Um, but back to like what the Saints could be, they're also in the luxury of being in one of the worst conference or divisions in in the NFL as a whole, right? So they have a very, very, very good chance and even like realistic chance to win their division and be a playoff team this year. They're a quarterback away from being a really, really, really good team. Derek Carr is not the answer. James, James Winston's, Winston's not the answer. <laughs> but in the same hand, like there's nobody out you can go and get right now that's going to get you that this year. You might be able to grab a Bo Nix, Shadur Sanders in the second or third round what of the draft this year. What They're, about a free agent veteran next year? 
I, I, you would have to tell me who's available before I could even say that. Like the big name quarterbacks don't go hit the and open market. I hate market. to say this, and I don't know how much of a big name he really is, but like bringing up the past or not, right now, I think if you're Quasi, the GM of the Vikings, you have to think about Dobbs is out here earning a chance to have a contract next year. Kirk Cousins' contract is up. He could be available, and I do believe that he has at least two more solid years of potential playoff football left in him. Whether or not he takes you to the big dance, I have no idea. I'd still love to see him here in Minnesota, but I think Kwesi has a big decision to make. I mean, if Dobbs keeps playing the way he way he is. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, that that's the one of the he before he got hurt, before he had a season and an injury, he was playing the best football of his career. He has plenty of football left in him, assuming he can recover, but as we'll get to a little bit later, apparently a torn Achilles for a quarterback's no fucking issue. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, allegedly, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know that's true. I think we need to see more Dobbs consistency. Oh, a hundred percent. No, I'm right there with you because right now I want Kirk Cousins as a Vikings fan. I want Kirk Cousins back next year as my quarterback, straight up. But if Dobbs keeps doing what he's doing, it's nice to see the ability, the the running ability. It's different, and I think Kevin O'Connell would absolutely. I mean, you're already seeing it. The dude didn't even have any practice snaps last week. And he came in, and O'Connell's telling him what to do through his helmet. Like, this dude's going here, this dude's going here, blah, 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 blah. Like, and he was able to do it and still make plays with his legs. I mean, even this week, eight carries on 44 yards with a tutty. Obviously, a lot of that's just extending the play and then nothing there. Boom, I'm gone. He has the speed to do that. So that is another aspect of the game that Kirk Cousins doesn't bring you. But it's hard to argue what Kirk was doing prior to the injury. No, absolutely, man. Absolutely. It's it's crazy to me how Dobbs is on his ninth team in the NFL. Like that's that's mind boggling to me, just because of like you said, his escapability, what he can bring after that. He doesn't make bad decisions. You know, he's not gonna try to put the ball in a place where it's a little bit more questionable. Now, granted, you you bring up that he didn't know the plays. He didn't even know where the Vikings locker room when he got to the stadium this last week. He didn't know where he was going. Nor the names of his players, teammates. He had no idea the names. He was like, at at the end of the game last week, he he said, like, I I guess I'll start off by this next week learning all your guys' names. That's crazy. (laughs) It's insane. I mean, then that just goes to show, like, we joke that he's the pastronaut because he's a legitimate astronaut. It's like the, the guy has all of the brains to be his quarterback in the NFL. And, you know, I think the Vikings would be in the best position to win with Kirk Cousins as your quarterback. Now, I say that off of only a handful of experience seeing Dobbs on the Vikings. And the other thing is he's doing it without the top two, three receiver in the NFL at his disposal as well. So no, no doubt. What's he going to do when JJ comes back? And like, I don't want to keep going on the Vikings too long here, but like one last thing, really like. And again, like, I want Kirk back. I'm a big Kirk guy, but sometimes in the NFL, as we've seen it before, sometimes that quarterback just needs that coach. You know, you see a coach and quarterback combinations that work all over the league, that work for a long time. Maybe that's maybe that's what Dobbs needed. It's like, if you look at it in that sense, now that becomes harder. Although I think Kirk Cousins and O'Connell mesh really well as, together as well. Kirk's one of the best play-action quarterbacks in the league. So, I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, to go back kind of how this started, I think Kirk Cousins on the Saints would make them a legitimate contender in the NFC. Yeah, Kirk Cousins to Olave. If Michael Thomas can come back, uh, and then now this A.T. Perry. 
And Shahid. Um, yeah, Shahid, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, if Alvin Kamara can be a shred of himself, like you They have the defense. Oh yeah. Top five defense in the NFL. Yeah. Consistently. Let alone playing in the Superdome. I couldn't imagine that that atmosphere. I'd love to go to a game. I'm not wearing any Viking shit there, but I'd love to go to a game there just to experience their Houdat Nation, all that stuff. Like they party, man. Like that's to go in there as an opposing team, like I think that's one of the best home field advantages you could have. 100% agree. 100% agree. I would love to see a game there, too. That's that's on my bucket list. That's on my bucket list. The first of the three games here is going to be the game of the week that we had, which turned out being the game of the week. Cleveland Browns traveling down to the Baltimore Ravens. What a game it was, Smelty. Cleveland Browns ended up winning this one 33-31. So the Brown or the Browns, you know, were actually the underdog in this game by six whole points. They won the money line straight up. They won that game. I was surprised it was at six, to be honest with you. I mean, yes, how the Ravens have been playing, you know, has been super great, but it's still a division game, you know. And I, I don't know, it just kind of surprised me. Um, but the outcome of the game didn't really surprise me at all. I mean, I did pick the Ravens to win this game, but. Um, what a what a game! What a game! I mean, it was it was the first series for me that really told me what kind of game that was going to be. I mean, the first drive of the game, uh, Kyle Hamilton jumps the absolute hell out of a route, takes Watson to the house for a pick six to start the game. I'm like, okay, I think we better buckle up because it could go either way, and it and it did. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, Deshaun Watson's my quarterback in one of my leagues, so you know you you check that. You check that that fantasy score, you know, after about that first second possession, see what happened, and he was negative. Did not enjoy seeing that. But what a play by Hamilton. This this cat's going to be an absolute stud in the NFL. He's already turning into one of the best safeties in the league. And, like, it was just what a game, man. Cleveland like, just – Baltimore came out 17-3 at the end of the first quarter. Yeah, Baltimore came out firing. I thought for sure they were going to run away with it the way it was looking. Um, but again, 17-3, obviously not insurmountable. Um, and like I said, just the way the game started and everything, like you just kind of knew it had the potential to become the game that it was. Um, and then, yeah, and then Browns come out in the second half and just start lighting it up. Deshaun Watson actually started looking pretty decent, actually. Um, started using his legs. Uh, starting to look like Houston, like OG Houston Deshaun Watson. He did. He did. I was waiting for this moment to come. Like he was gonna kind of come back to life and just be that OG Deshaun Watson, kind of see why he got that contract. And he proved that in the second half of this game. Amari Cooper is oh. looking great. You know, he's back to his his Raider form. And Najoku another six catches right now or this week. I mean, these these cats are starting to get open for him. They are. They are. And he's putting the ball in the right spot. He's putting the ball in the right spot. It also helps when you got Jerome Ford back there that went off for another crazy game this week. And man, is he he's a little bit of explosive. I'm a big Jerome Ford guy. I'm a big Jerome Ford guy. I mean, 17 carries for 107 yards, averaging 6.3. And his longest carry is 28. You know, it's not like he went for a 75-yarder that got him the bulk of those. He was just consistent was through, through this whole game. Grinding and pounding, 6.3 average. Yeah, again, the long 28, that's going to skew that average a little bit. But like... I would think he probably still averaged over five yards a carry. Oh, for sure. For you know? sure. You know, it's, it's, I, I was quite impressed with this Browns. You know, they have the defense. We all know they have the defense. Personally, I thought the Ravens were the second best team in the NFL going into this week behind only the Eagles. They showed why they're up there, but Lamar Jackson's with two interceptions is, is going to hurt you. It's going to well, hurt you. And the one pick 
that really bugs me is right before half, and it turns out it didn't end up leading to points, but this one really bugged me. So Lamar, right before half, Lamar runs out, um, and actually replays show, I believe, that Lamar was actually stepping on the out-of-bounds line when Mike Ford comes over and trucks him into the, into the bench, which was crazy. No flag thrown, I don't think, even, which I'm cool with that. You know, if you're a quarterback, you leave the pocket, like my wife says, actually. She's like, oh, you deserve to get hit, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, yeah. You're trying to make you're trying to gain yards, you're gonna get hit. So right after that, Lamar comes out here, there's like fifty seconds left in the half, whatever. He bombs one downfield just to get picked by Mike Ford. And it was it wasn't a good throw. Like, so why? Now again, they gave Cleveland, you know, good field position. Cleveland proceeded to do nothing with it. So, you know, they didn't get points off it. But again, like, why? Why, why, I mean, you're trying to put points on the board yourself, but, like, that was just a bad throw, man. That's a bad decision. I 100% agree with you. I, I I don't get that, and that's not a decision Lamar's made at all this year. He has looked great at quarterback. He, he looked, really has. He looked really, like, not loose this game, I guess. Like, really, like, I guess the opposite of not loose would be tight, so I could have said that. But he just looked like he just wasn't himself this game. He really didn't. I mean, he still got a couple yards on the ground, um, but that's going to be what you expect out of him all the time. Yeah, I mean, he was their leading rusher for eight carries for 41 yards, but, you know, 5.1 average sounds good, but for a quarterback, that's, that's you know, when you have the scrambling ability and you're, you're consistently picking up eight to 15 yards on a scramble, that's not Lamar Jackson type of numbers. No, 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 I agree with you. I think I think Baltimore needs to run this kid Keaton Mitchell a little more. He only had one big play, right? 39 yards, uh, three carries for 34. So obviously his other two rushes were for negative yardage. But on three carries, you can't really get in a rhythm anyway. Gus Edwards has proven again uh, this week that he's really not it, but he's your goal line back. I don't know about that. He's kind of more After like what a he's power had back The last three weeks he's had before this week, though? I, I don't know. I think you need somebody back there that's a little more shifty. Or even get Zay Flowers involved in some sort of jet or something. Yeah, I do like the idea of, you know, having that 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 lightning thunder with Mitchell because Mitchell's touchdown, that that 39-yard run, that was Explosive. a thing of beauty. Explosive. He went 0-60 to 60 real quick. But I want to talk about Zay Flowers just real quick. I mean, that that dude is shifty, and he's got some of the fastest feet I think I, I've seen in the NFL. I mean, his routes are ridiculous, and it's from those fast feet. Like, he can make guys miss. I mean, be, be, even before the ball is thrown, his route running ability is insane. Yeah, he's he's a quick little bugger. I was hoping he would make it to the Packers in the first round this year, and we would have drafted him. Oh well, didn't work out. Didn't work out, man. <laughs> didn't work out. But I, I'd like to see OBJ getting a touchdown as well. You know, I've always kind of been an OBJ guy. And he, he after he caught that ball, he took off. He, he turned it like, on real quick. I was like, whoa! I actually that's another thing I have in my notes. I said Odell showed some speed in the third quarter on that touchdown. After he caught it, he took off. Yeah, he, he looked he looked like the OG original, you know, giant Odell. And I think they need to incorporate him into the game plan more. I really do. You, you just got to give him a chance at this point. Yeah, oh, no, for sure. For sure. I think he's still got the ability, no doubt. Yeah, most certainly. Well, that's enough about the game of the week. Um, just for so the record shows, I did pick the Browns um, to— I, I didn't expect the Browns to win this game. I did expect them to cover. Uh, you know, I thought it would be a one, two-point game. Um, but the Browns ended up winning it there. Smelty did indeed have the Ravens. So we're going to move on. We had the Lions-Chargers. Another hell of a game we had this year, Smelty. Oh not, sorry, God. not this year, this week. This week, yeah. 
I mean, you could say this year so far even. I mean, what a game. Back and forth the whole game, really. Um, the Chargers came out flat, for sure flat in that first half. And then and then they kind of started getting it together. You saw Herbert started getting in a rhythm in the second half. But Jared Goff kind of really starting to look the part. I mean, he's starting to look like that when the Rams went on a run with Jared Goff. He's starting to look like that Jared Goff. And he's kind of already looked like it since he's gotten there. It's like it was a new, fresh... I mean, fresh air, new, new, uh, new everything. Yeah, most certainly. Jared Goff has looked really good this year, and to me, what it is with this Lions offense right now, with David Montgomery coming back and having that seventy-five yard bomb run, you could make a very, very strong argument. The Lions have the best one-two backs in the NFL. That's hilarious. That's the number one note I have on this game. David Montgomery and Gibbs are the best running back duo in the league right now, today. I a hundred percent agree with that. I, yeah, I mean, no argument for me. Gibbs is going to be that that cat is so fast. He's gotten so much better as the seasons progress to every week. He's getting better. To be honest with you, I don't know if he's necessarily getting better or if they're just finally giving him the damn ball. He, uh, he showed both. Probably yeah, both. he showed the flashes in the first couple of games. They just wanted to work him in a little bit. Kind of that Bijan Robinson effect, per se. Um, but the, the, the story of this game, player of this game. Well, player of the Lions, you could say Amron St. Brown. I think I, most games are like you look at quarterback versus quarterback matchup. This was a receiver versus receiver matchup to me. Like Amon Ra versus, versus Keenan Allen. What a showing. What a showing. Oh, what a showing it was. I mean, you have 156 yards for St. Brown and 175 for Keenan Allen. That's just crazy. Just crazy numbers. But it's, this was an entertaining game through and through. The The Lions came out hot, 10-3 lead after the first and then, you know, going into half, they had that seven-point lead. But what a fourth quarter it was. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. I mean, and going into that fourth quarter, you can just tell. I mean, you can tell the whole season already, but you can just tell. And I think Tony Romo said this, actually, during the game. I think he was one of the commentators for it. He said that win against Kansas City changed everything. And I kind of think, I kind of buy into that. That plus Dan Campbell's grit mantra. Dude, I think that whole team is just buying into that shit super hard, and it's it's really showing on the field. I mean, every chance you get, those Lions are fighting for everything, both sides of the ball. No, absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, obviously Dan Campbell sets the precedent for that, but his coaching staff buying into that as well. You never hear about any rifts within the Lions organization. Nope. Like, that entire franchise, from ownership down to the, you know, ball boys, are fully bought into the Dan Campbell mantra, and it, you, you don't see that nowadays. You know, he's a, he's an old-school, grit, yeah. hardcore coach, and, you know, you just don't see that. You have the Kyle Shanahan's, the Sean McVay's, these new-age, shifty play callers. More players coaches. Not saying that Dan Campbell's not. He's very connected with his players, very emotional for his players, but... Right, more of that old school vibe. Yeah, I mean, I, I would I would say that Dan Campbell might be the biggest player coach in the NFL with how he runs the team. Now, I mean, Mike Tomlin is it's hard to relinquish that that crown per se. You know, everybody that's ever played for him talks about how great of a coach he was, and and you take care about anybody that always wanted to play for him. So, but back to the game here. You know, th this game gave me like reminiscence of that that Casey LA game. Back on Sunday Night Football a number of years back when it was golf going against Mahomes, down to the wire, mm. the oh, last yeah. possession was yeah. going to win it. You know, it brought back memories of that. Rams won that game, didn't they? I, golf won I, can't, I can't remember. I feel like they did, it. but yeah, I do remember that game. That was crazy. But that, like you were saying before, that fourth quarter, nuts. 
Jared Goff showed the touch that he has on that ball in his fourth quarter touchdown, like what, seven minutes left or whatever it was, but just the touch on that ball right over the defender, only the receivers catching it, easy touchdown. I mean, he made it look easy, and he's been doing it all year. And then flip the field, and Keenan Allen gets a tutty on fourth and one. I mean, this game, they just kept exchanging blows. Yeah, it was a fun game to watch. That's for sure. That's for sure. You could have made an argument this ended up being the game of the week, but you can't go wrong with this with Browns-Ravens. Let's move on. With the last game here, we're going to recap. We had the San Francisco 49ers going down to Duval, taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> 49ers Don't were, look at me like that, son. 49ers <laughs> were... <laughs> <laughs> the uh you could probably hear my stare through the mic there <laughs> oh my god uh 49ers were indeed a three and a half point favorite in going into this game um the jaguars didn't even score three and a half points <laughs> <laughs> uh who picked the jaguars last um, week i can't remember pretty sure that was a mr smelty now i'm assuming he picked them to He's not MIA. necessarily He's win MIA. the game but just cover But it didn't matter. This game was over after the first quarter. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, the story of the game for me, I mean, is the pressure that San Francisco defense brought. I mean, you already saw, I think it was on the third sack of the game, I think there was a total of five um, by that San Francisco defense. But I think on the third sack of the game, Chase Young and Nick Bosa met at the quarterback, and I was like, damn it, that looks nice i was like that's gonna be a problem come that's playoff fucking time. scary and 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 then you got on the other side of the ball brock purdy looking actually decent again good bounce back game for him like damn maybe san francisco could be coming out of their slump yeah man it was uh the story of the game i mean jokingly christian mccaffrey didn't score snapped the touchdown streak at i believe it was 17 if he would have gotten one this game he would have broke it he tied the record and on use checks touchdown everybody's like oh he should have went down on the one or whatever but he like got tackled into like you could kind of tell he tried to stop running maybe to go down to try to get mccaffrey that but i who's to say right to be honest with you though you got to credit the niners they had their entire backups in it was one of the last possessions of the game they had the ball in the in the uh within the 10 yard line and it was four Four touches to McCaffrey you don't really see like coaches trying to help out their players in that regard so it was cool to see that you know everybody in the in the world let alone the defense knew the ball was going to McCaffrey you have yeah. literally all of your backups in playing against the Jacksonville starters right <laughs> <laughs> no I mean and the thing about McCaffrey that I noticed this game that I that I think everybody has probably already noticed obviously but when he cuts it's so smooth like it's when, seamless. It, it is. It is. It's like, that's why, like, I, all I could write is smooth, dude. It's it's so hard to explain, but, like, seamless is a really good word for it. it. There's no choppiness to it at all. Like, all of a sudden, he's cut and he's gone. Like, whoa. It's it, He's just so smooth. So, I, I don't know. I just had to say that. Like, it was just slick to watch. It, and, I mean, I say that jokingly because he had 16 carries for 95 yards and averaged just under six yards a carry. The guy's still incredible. No, he's ridiculous. And then again, it always helps when you got guys like Brandon Ayuk, and then you got George Kittle, who continues to prove to me that he's the second best tight end in the league. Um, yeah, I mean, 49ers look the part, look the part. But if you're looking at, do you have anything else to add on the 49ers? The only thing I could say is uh, it was good to see kind of Debo come back into his form. You know, he had three rushes for 29 yards in the touchdown, and then. 
uh, four catches for 30 yards. So, you know, just about 80 yards, total yards there on, on only six touches. Getting them so back involved. Yeah. That, that's really nice to see. You know, he's coming yep. off the injury. Just get him worked back into the system. I, I think next week or going forward, he's going to be an integral part of this offense, as he should be. But I, I just don't see any weakness on this 49ers team right that's now. That's what I'm saying. Watching that game yesterday, I was just like, wow, how do you beat these guys? Truly. I mean, that defense scares the shit out of me. Like, I don't know how you can really score on it. So, and they and they just proved it against the Jaguars, who are okay. I don't think they're starting to prove that they might not be a playoff team this season, but because of their inconsistencies and I don't know. But that I think the 49ers are for real. I, I would agree with you. The, the crazy thing is, is uh, Brock Purdy threw for more yards than the Jaguars had total offense. That doesn't surprise me. I mean, the Jaguars' offense, again, San Francisco's defense played wild, but... Jaguars offense didn't do anything to the point where after the game, Doug Peterson, Peterson, sorry, is uh, quote, this was definitely a humbling experience. No shit. No shit. And the, and the Jag, the, the thing about the Jags is they have a real tough stretch coming up. They have to go through that AFC North gauntlet, dude. They play the Bengals, Cleveland and Baltimore in that order. And that starts at like not next week or the week after, but three weeks away, they have to play those three teams in a row. So if they want to be a playoff team this year, those are the games you're going to have to win and prove to yourself that you're capable of going to the playoffs this year. I think you have to win two of those three games to oh, make yeah. a legitimate chance at the playoffs. And I, and I say that just because Colts look good this week. Now, granted, they played the Patriots. I think my old high school football team could beat the Patriots right now. Yeah, they're looking rough. It's, it's just as tough. To, it's I love seeing it because I hate the Patriots. <laughs> but um, And then you look at the Houston Texans, what CJ Stroud's doing down there. So it, it's the the AFC South isn't a scrub division anymore. And people are talking potential Stroud for MVP all of a sudden. I think he should be in the conversation. Now, he's he's not in the the, the front runner by any way, shape, or form. But he's but not doing the wrong things, he for need, sure. He needs to be in the conversation. I mean, you only throw for 500 yards, almost 500 yards and four tuds. Pat, one touch rushing on top of that, so you have five tuds total. Not Bryce Young who? CJ Stroud? <laughs> That's it's just crazy what that man's doing right now. It's just crazy what that man's doing. But let's move on. Let's get into ten talks, Melty. We're gonna start off with some very, very unfortunate news coming out of the Dallas camp with Leighton Van Der Esch. Going down in week eight against the 49ers, he got kind of pushed from behind into Micah Parsons' leg and jammed his neck. He was on the IR. He was actually was eligible to return next week, but he's out for the season, and the, the reports are showing that he might his career might be done. That is very, very, very unfortunate. You hate to hear those kind of news. He's, there's other reports out there that he's contemplating retirement at this point. It's just It sucks to see because he, he, you know, he had a really good rookie year. He kind of fell off a little bit next couple of years but he was he was back to form this year man oh he was for sure yeah no he was for sure and the thing is is like this isn't necessarily a new issue and that's why i think you know the possibility of a career ender is on the table um he's been dealing with this since his boise state days i guess he had a surgery in what was it 2020 or something to repair the similar deal i i can't imagine the decision he has to make you know, is it a possibility? Do we know? Is it a possibility? Like, if he makes it worse, could he be paralyzed? Type of deal. Uh, I I don't know. It's the called specifics. it's called spinal stenosis. I I don't know shit about that, but um, 
I know it's not great, right? <laughs> um, but if it's like a case of like you could become paralyzed, right? How do you make that decision? You know, this is the game you love. You're doing it at the highest level you can do it in the world. You're making a lot of freaking money setting up the rest of your life. Um, but when is it about your personal health? You know what I mean? So just doing a quick Google Google research here, it says that the, the spinal stenosis, it's not that you could become paralyzed. It's just that you, 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 could, you have numbness and severe pain at times. There's like treatment options out there, but I mean, when you're talking a high caliber football player, athlete, you, you, you can't have a numb leg at times, you know, so no. it's... So when is it worth it to push through that? You know what I mean? At that point, like, when, when is it worth it? Because you saw, you see, you know, so he plays linebacker. You see Patrick Willis retired at age 30. You know, he had a couple of injuries, but he retired. I think his were concussions, maybe. I can't remember. Linebacker. Um, linebacker Luke Keekley retired at 28, you know you're starting to see guys, you know, protect their personal health. And I think that's absolutely in consideration for Vander Esch right now. And I mean, I mean, not only a big loss to the Cowboys, but a big loss to the NFL, good player, fun to watch. Yeah, most certainly, most certainly. And the, the thing I love most about Leighton Vander Esch is he has that old school neck pad, man. Dude, I know that's his <laughs> like, that's the key thing, right? Like if you see a Cowboys jersey right now on the field and you see an, a neck pad, you know, it's Vander Esch. Obviously, we haven't seen it in a long time, and it's weird. But yeah, no, I love I love the neck pad. Bro. I love seeing that, bro. But yeah, it sucks for for somebody with so much upside. He's still young at twenty seven, but you know, football takes a toll on you. But that's man. just it, twenty seven. He's got the rest of his life in front of him. If he's been smart with his money, the money part's fine. It's a matter of passion. You obviously have a passion for the game. Some guys don't, and then they just end up getting playing the game and whatever. But it's rare. Usually these guys have a passion, and that's what's driven them. That is what's driven them to this point to play in the NFL. So I, I, can't ima- I just can't imagine the decisions he's got to make here going forward. Yeah, it's, it's very, very unfortunate. Very, very unfortunate. And, you know, he's an NFL player. He's, he's made plenty of money in his life, depending on what he did with it. He's a bright kid, so I think he could, he could go into, you know, something that he would be, him and his family would be well taken care of. But you just hate to see it. But let's move on. Uh, next we had Taylor Heineke. Injuring his hamstring. This is an interesting one, Smeltzy. Desmond Ritter came in and looked pretty good. Artie Smith has come out and said they're going to reevaluate after the bye this week. Heineke should be good to go, but it's going to be dependent on who he wants at the starting quarterback. Yeah, I mean, who would you take out of the two real quick? Based on play that you've seen. I think I would take Taylor, Taylor Heineke at this point simply because the Falcons are in the worst one of the worst divisions in football, so they have a legitimate chance of making the playoffs still. And I think Taylor Heineke gives you a better chance to win. Desmond Ritter shows flashes, but the consistency is just not his not yep. his thing. Yep, no, totally agree. But saying that, it would have to be a totally healthy Taylor Heineke. Right, no, for sure. 100% that hamstring's ready to go. Otherwise, absolutely not. Nope, I agree. Next, we had one of your Vikings going down with a concussion. Alexander Madison, tell me more. Yeah, Madison, uh, it's unfortunate for him personally. He just hasn't been able to get it going this year, and we were hoping for that one-two punch with Akers coming in, but then Akers goes down with an Achilles. Now Madison's down with a concussion. Uh, he's questionable, probably not going to play this week, if I had to guess. So you're probably going to see a little bit more of Ty Chandler for the Vikings, um, which is going to give you way more speed than what Madison gives you. Ty Chandler is very shifty, and you saw flashes of it when Madison went down this week, you still got Kane Nwangwu, um, who is also very uh, shifty as well. So I don't think it'll be a huge deal for the Vikings offense, but it's not a, it's not good for Madison. 
No, I agree with you. I actually really, really liked what I saw out of Ty Chandler. I, I actually, the, the two games I watched the most of were the Vikings game and the Packers game this week. I was over at my new newly married brother-in-laws and we had a, a set up two garage tvs we had the vikings on one packers oh, on the yeah. other so nice. it was i actually nice. was able to see the majority of both or pretty much all of both games and uh, i really like what chandler brought to the offense i think with pairing him with josh dobbs you have two electric players in the backfield i think ty chandler can do some things for you man and i, and I think he's this is either his second or third year in the league and he's just been buried on a depth chart is all that is straight up like he's been behind kanae as well and then kanae has been injured so you know, Ty Chandler's probably going to get his opportunity, and I don't think he's going to let it let it pass. I would agree with you. Well, the New Orleans Saints, Smeltzy, they hit the injury bug this week. They lost Derek Carr, Marshawn Lattimore, and Michael Thomas. Derek Carr going down with a right shoulder injury. He uh, hopes to return after the bye week this week. The Saints' bye week could not have come at a better time. No kidding. Um, I, I This brings up the discussion of Derek Carr. Signed the big contract with the Saints in the offseason. Jameis came in. He looked. We already spoke on it. We don't need to go too much more in depth. But Derek Carr hasn't been it in the Saints, man. No, and I mean, who who else was out there for the Saints to even sign? First off, I, I don't know if they would have signed anybody else. You're looking at Derek Carr or Jimmy G. Those are the two high-profile free agent quarterbacks this last year. I, I'm taking Derek Carr over Jimmy D all day. I am too. And then also neither one of them has performed anyway. So, uh, yeah, I'm curious again what the Saints may do at quarterback this offseason. But, yeah, I mean, we'll just see, you know, after the bye week if Derek Carr is ready to go. Obviously, you're still choosing Derek Carr over Jameis Winston. Lattimore with the high ankle sprain, that's that's a little tougher. That's a little more touchy. High ankle sprains are a little more unpredictable on a timetable. He could be back in the two weeks after bye week, but it, he could be done for, like, four. I mean, there, it's high ankle sprain's a real deal. I mean, that's tough to play on, especially at a skill position. No, most certainly. I think out of all the injuries here, like the quarterback is obviously the most important, but Marshawn Lattimore is the centerpiece of that defense. He's a top 10 cornerback in the NFL, a lot would say, and he's he's an integral part of that defense. So I think in the same regard, he's not a young corner anymore. He's not old by any means, but I think the bye week again coming at a best time, but if there's a chance of him not at his full length and the possibility of injuring that more, you sit him for one, two, three weeks, whatever it takes to make sure he's healthy come crunch time when the Saints, even if they lose the next three games, are still going to be in contention in that division. Well, right, that's just it. So you got to make make sure he's 100%. I agree. The last injury we're going to talk about here that happened this week is Michael Thomas going down with a knee injury for those Saints there. He's hopefully going to be back after the bye week this week. Um, personally, he hasn't really done much this year, so I like to see what A.T. Perry has after seeing what he had kind of glimpses of last week. He hasn't done much in the last couple seasons. Well, that's true. I mean, it's, it's that's what I mean. Like, I'm kind of checked out on Michael Thomas, to be honest with you. Like, he he's a, he's a guy that could use a change of scenery, and it's not that the Saints aren't a bad fit. It's just, dude, you need some fresh air. You need need to get out of there a little bit, I think, but I don't know. Well, I think he needs a little bit more than just a change of scenery at this point, but we'll get into that later. Yeah, yeah. The last thing we're going to talk about here from the injuries is the phenomenon of Aaron Rodgers. This motherfucker is targeting a <laughs> mid-December return from a torn Achilles that happened 10 weeks ago. <laughs> Do you think he's just trying to, like, play the media or play Joe Schmoes like us to be like, whoa, let's talk about this because this is crazy? Or do you think he's being freaking serious that he thinks like this darkness retreat gave him magical powers and he is ready to go to play on that repaired Achilles? To be honest with you, if I hadn't seen 
what he's done, like the pregame clips and all of that. The guy's walking without crutches. He's taking small dropbacks and completing and he's making taking dropbacks already. So not this week. He didn't do anything in the pregame this week. He said he just his rehab didn't go quite as planned, so he was just resting it. But last week he did like a one two step drop back. Now it wasn't a hard drop back. It no, was very, but very like tenderly. But you're mo- making football quote unquote moves. It wasn't a stationary throw. Yeah. Hmm. So the the other thing in his favor is he does play the quarterback position. There's not as much strain on that Achilles as say a running back, receiver, DB. Well, and you and you've seen over the years how these quarterbacks take care of their bodies. Tom Brady, Russell Wilson. Um, you saw it on the quarterback show on Netflix with Kirk Cousins. These quarterbacks take care of their bodies. They spend a lot of money to take care of their bodies because they know they're going to get drilled, right? So they they do take care of their bodies. So we who knows? Maybe Rodgers is is back. And that's the thing with Rodgers is that that man treats his body like a temple. Now, yeah, you have like the ayahuasca, whatever. But at the end of the day, that that's that's medicine to a certain degree. It's not like he's out, you know, eating fourteen Big Macs and that kind of shit. He takes care of his body. Or my favorite picture of Aaron Rodgers of all time. I think they just lost in the playoffs, like season over. You know, he's in the back of a pickup truck in the bed of a pickup truck or whatever, riding around Green Bay. So what that was, or was that a or was that a lookalike of Rogers? No, that was hundred percent Rogers. So not only was he back there, he was holding the case of Miller Lite. That's what um, I mean. He like holds it up and everything. Yeah. So what that is actually is, uh, it was it was actually it was after the season had had ended. But how the right. Packers operate is their practice facility is actually across the street from Lambeau where their locker room is. So you actually have to walk or drive to the practice facility. So that's not an uncommon thing where you'll get three, four guys in the back of a pickup. So you don't have to drive individual cars over there. Cause usually okay. you're in full pads. Sure. It's one of the intricacies of Lambeau. That's Field crazy. Yeah, Center. no, that's cool. That's cool. So you, you actually like now he's not holding up a case of beer during the season doing that, but no, but the I, reason it got brought to light is because of the beer and I know. you know, but that's but you, my you, favorite picture of Rogers of all time. And it's it kind of paints a pictures of pro athletes in general. Like they're they're effing human beings too. Real Season's people. over, dude. He can go have fun. Some people were mad about it, and I, I don't know. This was like what three years ago, so we don't even need to keep talking about it. But like I kind of want that, you know, when we get our banter studio built, kind of want that as a picture, like on the wall. I wouldn't be opposed of him to just that holding by any up means. a case of beer. I would love it. Yeah, man. It's <laughs> uh, it's just it's just. Rodgers is so misportrayed in the media to who he really is. And, I mean, I'm not saying that as a homer. It, like, obviously, I'm a big Rodgers fan. I said earlier, I have his jersey. He's in my – well, we're not going to get into this debate. That's for another time. I won't even say it to just even go there. <laughs> I'm not going to say he's, he's not the greatest quarterback of all time. He's not the greatest of all time, but he's the most but talented he's of all time. He's, he's the most. So, in my opinion, there's three different ways to view a quarterback. You have the most accomplished, the most talented, and the greatest of all time. So Tom who are those three? Tom Brady takes two of the three. I think he's the greatest and the most accomplished. Obviously, the most Super Bowls, he is the most accomplished. When you put it all together, to me, the 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 talent and the accomplishments together, you put those together, yeah. and that's what becomes the yep. greatest, right? Yep. So the seven rings speak for themselves. At the oh, end of the shit. day, the yeah. guy can play the yep. fucking game of football, too. He was a yeah, hell yeah, of a player. Yeah. But I would say Aaron Rodgers is more talented. Would you say he's more talented than Patrick Mahomes? Aaron uh, Rodgers? Pat- Patrick Mahomes hasn't had a long enough career for me to make that judgment Fair when enough. Patrick Mahomes when Fair it's enough. all said and done Patrick Mahomes will probably own the title of both I mean right right I could see that as well like don't get me wrong like a couple of years ago Aaron Rodgers 100% I mean he's been he's been so consistent since he really took over the starting job I mean I agree with you 100% I mean he he could be the most skilled but I do believe Patrick, Patrick Mahomes is a better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers is or will be by the end of his career 
Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It's. I mean, I, I agree with you. I really do think with it, as long as like Andy Reid sticks around for the bulk of his career, I think that's an integral part of Patrick Mahomes' success. And that's, again, what I was bringing up earlier, a coach and a quarterback. That's exactly. one of them. That's one of the combinations, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Andy Reid has helped make who Patrick Mahomes is. He has all the skills in the world, but Andy Reid knows how to utilize them correctly. You know what I mean? No, 100% and I, agree. And like... Bel- Belichick and Tom Brady, you know, obviously the combination of the two, Tom Brady proved he can do it on his own too, but the combination of the two, you know what I mean? So I, I think, yeah, no, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah. Well, we'll move on. We could talk about this one oh, here yeah, for we a could while, debate that but a uh, we're going to get into our next segment here. Genius. Mr. Smelty, what's the bonehead move of the week, sir? So bonehead move of the week, I kind of, I don't know. I guess the title is Michael Thomas is an ass clown. Um, it was weird. So this story kind of actually surfaced right before they played the Vikings. Um, and he still played in the game and all that shit, but allegedly some weird parking dispute or something happened between Michael Thomas and some construction worker or whatever, to the point where allegedly Michael Thomas saw a brick or something over here on the, on top of whatever and started hucking him at this dude's truck and turned it into this big deal. And now that now uh, you know, Thomas was arrested, but without incident, you know, he went in, took his, you know, it's pretty much just a slap on the wrist. Plus who knows the type of attorneys that these guys can afford. Like it's not going to end up being a big deal, but the, the reason why it's the bonehead move of the week for me, and then let me know, but like, I, I get if you're frustrated or something, but like you got, you still got to control yourself a little bit, right? Like I, now, don't get me wrong. If he's disrespecting you or being racist or something crazy, right? Like you have every right to lose your freaking mind, in my opinion. But you know, like your job, right? You and your job, and me and my position at my job, like we still have to walk out this door and go be a professional, and still, you know, our name is still attached to that company, whether we want it to be or not. I like that mine is. You probably do as well. Just I would to, agree. I mean, just shit, I got decals on my truck. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. That's what. But okay, there you go. Decals on your truck, though, right? So now when you're driving around, you're thinking about that. You know what I mean? It's the same deal, right? Yeah, you're representing a professional football team, but I think that's the same idea to me. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on the the incident as a whole, and then kind of that back at that back end? No, I mean, I agree with you 100%. I mean, I, I think this was an easy bonehead move of the week. The The crazy thing is, is that the, the contractor that was parked there, they're doing work on the neighbor's house across the street. He's There's nothing illegal about what the contractor was doing. There's no reason for Michael Thomas to worry about that car unless if he just cares that it blocks the obstruction of the fucking neighbor's house he's looking at. Right, well, and then the thing was, like, he was frustrated about the car, and then the guy started recording him. And then that's when Michael Thomas snapped, I guess. Like, that's when he got real upset because he's like, dude, don't record me, which whatever. And then he threw right? his phone. Right, right. And then, like, shove the guy and all this shit. That's why it's, like, technically assault, I think. Like, a, the lowest level version of assault. Again, which is probably going to get thrown out, right? It's but, a petty misdemeanor that yeah, Michael Thomas is going to pay that motherfucker 10, nah, 15 and he's grand not and get suspended. He's not going to get suspended for a game or nothing like fined. that. Yeah, he'll right. Maybe fine, but like he violated the NFL's conduct policy. But again, that's some you know you technically work for the NFL, like you're representing what the NFL stands for. Which we could go into a whole pot on what we think the NFL stands for, good or bad, right? But like, I think that could be a whole thing. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but let's leave it alone. Let's leave it alone. <laughs> but I, you know, 
I I don't know. I think he just, I think yeah, bonehead move of the week. I think he acted out of out of character a little bit for Michael Thomas, but I think part of that could be on field frustrations, the fact that he's really not the guy like he was. And even if he's in the lineup, to me, he's not the guy anymore. He's a, so he's a starting receiver for the New Orleans Saints. You're one of you're you're in a position of one of sixty four people in the world as a starting receiver on an NFL football team. You cannot make that decision and lose your control like that whether it was justified or not in the modern day that we live in you will be recorded you will be found out the thing about it the funny thing too is like you know let's say he settles for 10 grand you know the nfl pas paying all the attorney fees to get this shit brushed under the rug because again it's a representation of the national football league well and again that's another thing i was going to bring up is you haven't really heard a whole ton about it per se like it's out there you can find it and stuff but, like, everybody's just kind of, eh, Joe Schmo on it. They're not really reading into it too much. I Stay, control yourself. Stay under control. Yeah, man, I, I'm 100% with you. I'm 100% with you. Well, let's get into the Week 11 slate. We're going to start off with the Chargers traveling up to Lambeau Field, taking on my Packers. Chargers are a three-point favorite in this game. Honestly, I really don't think the Packers have a fighting chance, man. It sucks to say, but the Chargers' defense isn't great. They're good. I don't think our offense is worth any two shits, as it's been well documented at this point. So we're not going to be able to move the ball. And if the Chargers are putting up, what was it, 38 points on the Lions? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What are they going to do to the Packers? Swiss cheese of a D. So saying that, I'm taking the Chargers in this one. They're going to take that for three points, and they are going to cover. No, I hear you. I'm going to agree with you there as well. I think Chargers cover. Um, yeah, what again, like you said, what they did to the Lions defense last week, it took them a while to get going, though. So I think that's something to keep an eye on. If I think the Packers need to take advantage of the Chargers' potential slow start. Doesn't matter. The Packers have the worst slow, the the worst starting, like slow starting in the history of the that's, NFL. The, I no, know. That's, that's not true. That's but. what I mean. It's going to be a probably six to three first half if that you know what I mean seriously and then I think the Chargers do get the win in the second half but it's uh yeah <laughs> I you know I, I don't know what I'm trying to say I guess I had something else to say but yeah char- let's just Chargers get the win for me yeah I think this is gonna be a big breakout game for Austin Eckler hasn't really done too terribly much this year uh you know he's been hurt came back last week with a limited role and uh, the Packers, I mean, if we're letting up 200 yards rush into the Steelers, what the fuck is Eckler going to do to us? And that offense really missed having Eckler. I mean, even even though this week I think he only went for like 30 yards or something, really not a lot, but like knowing he's back there and he can pop he can pop something off anytime he, he really wants to. So definitely something to keep an eye on. And I, I remembered what I was going to say. I think the Chargers defense is not good, but it's good enough to beat the Packers offense. And I think the Chargers offense will dog walk the Packers defense, unfortunately, in the second half. Seriously. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you, man. So we're going to move on to your Vikings traveling to Denver, taking on the red hot. You could argue these are the two hottest teams in the NFL. The Denver go, uh, the Broncos go into this game as a two and a half point favorite. Who do you got in this one, Smeltzy? I think this one's going to be interesting. This is going to show you Dobbs um, outside in in the outdoor element for the first time since he's been in a Viking uniform because they played at Atlanta and then in Minnesota. Now we're going outside to Denver, which, you know, weather's hit or miss. It could snow that day and then melt later. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm obviously going to take my Vikes, to be honest with you. Uh, 
I think Denver's little run, I guess you could call it, is going to stop stop this week. I, I they're still a little off, but they're they're absolutely getting better better. And I think I would imagine Sean Payton and Russell Wilson's relationship might be getting a little better. I'm going to have to disagree with you on this one. I'm I'm taking Denver as the two and a half point favorite. That's fine. Go for it. Yeah, I think uh, Russell Wilson has kind of come back to his true form as of the last couple of weeks. And, you know, with their three-game win streak, they didn't beat Scrubs. They beat the Packers. That's one of them. That's a gimme. But they beat the Chiefs and the Bills. You know, now the Bills, I'm not sold on. They're, they're looking nah, pretty fucking yeah, awful right the, now. But beating the Chiefs is a big deal right now. It is. It is. Now, granted, Mahomes had the flu that game. He wasn't Mahomes. But nonetheless, I mean, when you get on a three-game win streak, like the momentum that carries, you go down to, well, it's not mile high anymore, but it'll forever be mile high to yeah, me. Yeah, it's, it's mile high. It's just like it's it's Heinz Field. It's not Akersher. No, yeah, Pittsburgh. it's Heinz Field. Yeah, yeah bro, fucking, come on. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I think I think Denver's going to win this game by, you know, I think it's, it's a, I think it's a touchdown game. I think it's a close game, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a touchdown game, and I think Dobbs is going to kind of come back to, to earth this week, playing on those outside elements. That Denver defense is fucking good, man. No, it is, it is, and Patrick Sertain's a, a, a or, or I'm sorry I mean yeah Patrick Sertain um he's a baller he's that that kid's a straight baller he could eventually challenge I mean he could already be challenging Sauce Gardner because Sauce has kind of dropped off a little bit this year I'm taking Sertain over Sauce all day are I, think, you, are Sertain, I think Sertain's the best cornerback in the NFL okay. right now all right fair and like I don't really have a ton of argument on that I think Sauce is still a great player um but I think Sertain could challenge him for that 100%. yeah and it's I think the big thing this week is if uh, if JJ does come back, how limited he's going to be. You're going to have Sertain on him, but I I think if JJ comes back at even like a fifty to seventy five percent role, which I don't see happening, you know that's gonna that's gonna allow Sertain to go over to Jordan Addison. I don't, I don't want I don't want JJ back unless he's a hundred percent straight up, especially with a hamstring. He he won't be. There's no way he comes back and plays a full load. That's not the modern day no. NFL. They have the snap counts, the pitch counts, whatever. You and with how well, it. like you said, Addison will be covered by Sertain, and with how well TJ's been playing, that's your guy. This game, so but now you thing- got, but now you got, um, oh, what's his name, Jalen Naylor too, but nah, the other kid, uh, Powell. Powell's oh, yeah. been starting to Number show four. up the last couple of games. And he's so, a little shifty player too. You look at that Broncos defense. You got Pat Sertain taking out the number one corner or number one receiver. You got Justin Simmons back there taking out the tight end. I know. Like Justin Simmons coming back to that defense. He was hurt in the first half or the first couple of games of the year. He's an integral part of that defense. That's the matchup of the game for me. TJ Hogginson and Justin Simmons. Yeah, hey, I couldn't Straight disagree. Up, I think because TJ's dropped a lot of balls when he's covered heavy this year. So I think if he can come down with them, that's that's the difference in the game. I agree. I agree. So we differ on that one. Let's move on to the next game. Now, the next two games, AFC North matchups here. I think this week could play an integral part in how the AFC North unfolds this what year. What a crazy division. I, I mean, in my That's opinion... That's what you want. It exactly is. I mean, in my opinion, it's 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 not even remotely close. It's hands down the best division in football this yeah, year. Yeah, so much, so much fun to watch right now. Yeah. So we have the Bengals traveling to Baltimore, taking on the Ravens. The Ravens are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. That honestly kind of surprises me that they're a three-and-a-half-point favorite after losing to the Browns last week. The Bengals are, are pretty hot right now. Joey Burrow looks like his normal self. But personally, I think the Ravens are going to bounce back this game, and I have them covering that uh, three-and-a-half points. And I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you for once, actually. I think the Bengals are going to be a little bit too much for the Ravens this week. I think the Ravens giving up the lead they did last week is extremely concerning. Um, so I, I don't know. I think... I just, my gut, I don't really have anything else to go off of for that game, but I think Joey B is just going to light it up. 
I, I, you know, it's hard to not make that the game of the week, but we're going to get to one a little bit later here that definitely takes the cake for it. But what a week, what a slate this week, man. Sure. I mean, there was two or, th- two or three other games we were kind of contemplating putting in here. We unfortunately have to include the Packers and Vikings. Well, we unfortunately have to include the Packers. I, I'm not going to say anything about the Vikings. You can say, at this unfortunately, point. the Vikings, you're a Packer fan. Five it's game okay. win streak, dude. <laughs> Josh you know? Dobbs, uh, yeah, Pasternak. Pasternak. That's potentially the story of the league if he keeps this up for this season. Like, just crazy story. You know, of the year, like comes in no practice time and just you know, yeah. But past yeah. or not, what were you gonna say? It's your That's favorite. my favorite nickname in the NFL right now, <laughs> yeah, man. I, awesome. I love that <laughs> shit. Um, so we're gonna transition on to the other AFC North matchup here. We have the Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the Cleveland Browns. Browns are a four point favorite in that game. What are your thoughts, man? Yeah, after the way Deshaun Watson looked this week, I'm absolutely taking the Browns and they'll cover. Uh, I think this is where the Steelers' season kind of stops. Um. Don't get me wrong, I think every game they play the rest of the season will be competitive. Um, I think the Steelers are close. I don't know really what they need next, to be honest with you, but I I just, the Browns at home coming off of a big freaking win in Baltimore, like, those fans are going to be ready. It's going to be a tough place to play. I, I think Cleveland covers. I'm in agreement with you here. I think the Browns are going to ride that momentum from last week. They're playing with that dog pound at home. This is, you know, traditional Steelers-Browns football. It's going to be a hard-nosed, run-orientated offense. I just don't see the Browns rushing for 200 yards this week against that Steelers defense. Oh, no. And the Browns defense is just simply too good for Kenny Pickett and that offense to get going. 100%. And what I saw in Deshaun Watson last week, Ravens have a good defense. I think he's going to make a case here going to, towards the end of the year here of why he's deserving of that contract, and, and he's going to perform, man. Do you know who the Browns' top corner is? Is it Greg Newsome or no? Denzel Ward. Oh, Denzel Ward. Oh, dude. He's locking up Pickens. I mean, Pickens hasn't done two sh- been two he shits had, he this year. He had a decent game this he past one, week. No. He had a decent game this past week. He had a couple catches. He had one good where game. Where he actually knew where the sideline was this week. He's but... on my fantasy team, dog. He's had one good game this year. <laughs> he's had one good game. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, no, I mean he had he had a couple catches last week, but it's uh I, I just don't think that the the Steelers can do it. I mean, if it was at Heinz Field, it might be it's a little maybe bit a little more bit of a fifty fifty for me. I, I still don't think the Steelers win that game, but they might cover that four Playing points. Playing in Pittsburgh's tough place too. Hey, yeah, I just I, I see the the in Pittsburgh, I see it as a field goal game, you know. So I think that the Steelers would cover that four, but I mean in Cleveland, the way the Browns are rolling right now, especially seven with to that 10, defense, seven to ten point game. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's going to be, I I mean, I'm taking the, I don't know what the over-under is in this game, but if it's under 45, I'm taking the under all day. Yeah, oh yeah, sure. All right, so that takes us to the last game on the slate here, the game of the week. We have the Philadelphia Eagles traveling down to Arrowhead and taking on the Kansas City Chiefs, the Chiefs being a a two-and-a-half-point favorite here, Smelty. Two of the best teams in the NFL projected to be going into the season. Neither one has really disappointed. Who do you got, man? I mean, just... Super Bowl rematch. Yeah, Super Bowl rematch. Super Bowl preview, question mark? Who knows? Could we see the same two teams in the Super Bowl again? Don't get me started. I think the 49ers and the Eagles would be a ridiculously awesome NFC championship game right now. But Super Bowl preview, maybe. I don't know. But to be honest right now, this this is the game for me that will prove who the Eagles are this season. This is the one right here in Kansas City. Tough place to play. We all know. I mean, really, any place is tough in the NFL to play unless you're shit. But um, I don't know. I I, th- I take the Chiefs on this one. I think Patrick Mahomes and, and company are just too much. 
Uh, I think the Eagles' defense has yet to do enough for me to trust them to beat the Chiefs right now, if that makes sense. I think the Eagles' offense is there. I think they're going to be able to put up points on that Chiefs' defense, no issue. But I don't know. I think it's going to be a shootout. I think it's going to be a shootout. But I take Chiefs. I agree with you, brother. I think it is going to be a shootout. Um, I think these are two of the most high-powered offenses in the NFL. Um, I'm going to take the Chiefs in this one, too. I think this is a field goal game. So that oh, what two a and game. A half, yeah, yeah if, it, if it was even three, three and a half, I might reconsider. But two and a half points, I think this is a field goal game. It's going to be who comes down to that last possession. And I like this Chiefs team, man. They don't have the offensive firepower that they had in years before. But you got Travis Kelsey, you got Patrick Mahomes, and you got Isaiah Pacheco doing a pretty good thing back there. That Chiefs defense is one of the best in the league. They've shown that. They've proven that. I'm still not sold on that Philadelphia defense. I need that's to see more. That's what I'm saying. I just I think they're legit, but like to what you're saying, I think we just need to see a little bit more. Yeah, we just need to see a little bit more before I can like fully confident they can take out. Now, the game against the Cowboys, that was pretty impressive to me. You know, they won that game and and I, I, I was impressed by that. They showed they, they could beat a top tier team. But this, this is this is the game. This is the game. You also got to keep in mind here, you got Andy Reid playing against his old team. That's always going to give him a little bit more juice and motivation. And who doesn't love seeing a Super Bowl rematch week 11 of the NFL season, man? Oh, man. And is it Sunday night or Monday night? I can't remember. Sunday night. Yeah, Sunday night I mean, game for this one. prime time. I mean, this is game of the year so far to this point, I'd, I'd reckon to say. But, oh, man, I'm excited. I'll be watching this one for sure. Game of the year so far, not even it's pretty pretty hands down to me. Well, Smelty, I had a blast here, brother. That's all we got for you this week. As always, like, comment, subscribe. It's been a blast, brother. We'll see you next week. Don't forget to follow, like, and subscribe. Tune in next time for more banter with the boys.